have a relative in long-term care? Are you trying to get someone into care? Do you have questions about the care system? Welcome to St. Vincent's Veritas, the lowdown on long-term care for family members, brought to you by St. Vincent's Nursing Home. I'm Susan McLeod. And I'm Margaret McQuarrie. And this week we are featuring an interview Susan did with a woman named Kathy, who was 68 years old when she was diagnosed with something called Lewy body dementia and went into care six months later. Susan, what can you tell us about the interview? It was amazing. <laughs> I'm just uh, still effusive about it. We interviewed uh, Kathy, who is young uh, to have dementia, mm-hmm. and her daughter, Kara, who uh, shepherded her through this uh, very rapid transition from living in her own family home to within six months going into a care situation. And uh, the chaos that ensued, what they had to deal with in the system, what they learned from that, and also the joy they had. That's what really impressed wow. me, is uh, how much they they got from the situation as very difficult as it was. And I think it, it's still not easy. Uh, Kathy's quite settled, but... Speaking as someone who was once a daughter, I noticed the strain on Kara's face. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, of course, is making a living and has her own life. And this kind of, in their situation, all happened very quickly. And as many of us know, they had to go through it without a lot of support from the system. Right, that moment when you're kind of sandwiched in between taking care of your parents and trying to get on with your own life. And some people have their own children at the same time trying to take care of it. So it sounds like there's a lot that we're going to learn from this interview. I look forward to hearing it. I learned a lot, and um, just a lot about joy where you least expect to find it. That's great. When did you first notice things were changing in your life? You said, uh, Kara was telling me that there were some memory loss, that kind of thing. What I remember, there's stuff there that I don't remember. But what I remember is I knew I didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you say that and you look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. You, you feel, oh, well, you know, you don't pay attention the same way you would if you knew the whole, <clears throat> the whole thing. So, I mean, I just started going to the doctor and I just said, I need... And, and it was some simple things like... Um, I know I'm tired all the time, and I know that I'm, uh, um, sorry. No, fine. Uh, there was something there I was began yeah. to tell you. So this would be one of them, right? Okay. Where I'm, I can't talk, me, mm-hmm. chatty, you know, <laughs> and I can't remember me with all the details. So, you know, something's wrong here. And so when the doctor asked me questions, uh, I said, I want tests. Okay, you you had to ask for them, yeah, did you? I, okay. I would like tests. I want everything tested that can possibly be used in this. And <laughs> I, I went in, I got the tests, and lo and behold, I got okay. the uh, diagnosis. Kathy got a diagnosis of Lewy body dementia, a progressive brain disorder that resembles Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. Its symptoms include problems with thinking, memory, moving, sleep, and changes in behavior. She was 68 years old. You know, I, <clears throat> excuse me, started making plans for what am I going to do. Oh, you were very practical right away. Yeah, I thought, well, um, no point in guessing, right? Mm-hmm. 
So, and I've got on medication. I was very fortunate. I went, uh, when I went to the next visit for the doctor, I, he put me on medication, and the medication for me worked. As many of us can relate, it may have been Kathy that had the disease, but the whole family was affected, including Kathy's daughter, Carol Lee. <laughs> Mom was living alone in a, in a big family house, and my sister came and said, there's something wrong here, and and then she asked around mom's friends and we were just trying to figure out how safe mom was to be alone in a big house with confusion. Okay. So there was this step around how safe is someone with confusion alone and how much support do they need and what how, we had to learn that. So we didn't know. We had to call um, adult support. We had to engage the system. They had to come assess. They had to. I we, forgot all this. Yeah, we. Good thing. Yeah, yeah, we tried to keep mom in in her house because she loved her house. So we did everything we could to let her live at home and stay at home. But when you have confusion and short term memory issues, adding uh, support if it's not the consistent one person, this became a huge issue. So we had the system set upon us and we're trying to keep mom in her house but dozens of different people at my mom's house every day trying to keep her in her house which was actually I think making the disease worse because she was having four different nurses at her house a day and they wouldn't be the same nurses the second day and then it would be this type of person and that type of person and certain personalities so it was a challenge. Those six months between diagnosis and getting mom transitioned to uh, one consistent place with consistent support that was safe and comfortable, that was probably the most stressful time in mine and my uh, sister's life because exactly. we were just worried. Like it's about worry. <clears throat> Someone who's just in their regular home situation and they transition into home care, that might be like a hard jump, but we went from mom being a fully functioning adult to six months of over support chaos in her own home to thank goodness we found the the perfect home and the perfect safe place and we call it a bit of a miracle you know which is the perfect everything for mom to transition into uh, a, a home. Carolee and her sister remembered an experience Kathy talked about as a young woman when she stayed in a convent in Mabu. They found the perfect spot again at the Mount St. Vincent Mother House. So when we were approaching the, the home conversation, different people would take you to different homes and show you around, and you said that you wanted to be where the sisters were, you wanted to be all-women home, you wanted to go to church every day. So anyway, Mom, as a teen, how old were you, 16 or 17, you stayed 16. in the convent in yeah. Mabu. Yeah. And that kind of influenced my sister and I were just thinking okay that's familiar to mom and she's saying she wants yeah. to be up um where the convent was in um Marble. in uh Clayton Park where is that oh Parkstone um no it's the mother house the mother house yeah. right yeah yeah so she's now in a home where one of the floors is the sisters of charity which is really great that's great yeah. they are wonderful people yeah, yeah. yeah. So the day came, you had to move or you had to get ready to move. Like, what was moving like? Yeah. What was moving like? All I know is I didn't want to go either. Yeah. Can you really want two things? Yeah, yeah, I yeah think you can. can. Yeah, of course. We didn't yeah. want either. 
because it meant giving up all these other things too, mm -hmm. right? So, I don't know. The long and the short of it is, today I can tell you I love living there. Okay. And I feel safe. Okay. And uh, I'm, I can be comfortable and think about what I want to think about. Good. You're not worried? You're I'm not, not anxious? Worried right now at this point. But I've certainly learned to respect uh, surprise news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Finding the perfect home for Kathy was a relief for Carolee and the rest of the family. But there were some small details that later turned into a big issue. My sister flew here and she, she helped my mom move into the home. She took everything my mom needed, all of her any house stuff, all of her special things. She packed her up, got her settled into um, the home. I actually was away for 10 days. My sister came and did all that. And then I came back and I dealt with everything else. So all the legal paperwork, um, logistics, I dealt with the house. So I went through the, our whole family home. I, sold, I worked with my dad just to get the house sold. And so I did all that stuff. And my sister did all the based all the phone calls. So there's like, is this fair to say you did kind of the practical stuff yes. and your sister did the emotional stuff? I'm but cleaning up the house is emotional. That's, well, I think that's fair at that time. Like she did, I'm not a huge fan of talking on the phone because I do it for my work. So my sister did all the phone calls, which was a huge thing when you are trying to do, because I, I was the key person mm -hmm on the ground, you know, here. And so she did all that, yeah. How far away does your sister live? She's in Montreal. Yeah. It's not too far, but yeah. still it's not here. Yeah. That's right. Mm -hmm. So how long, <coughs> are you talking a week to get? So her? it was so fast. I think we okay. had one or two weeks notice to get it together okay. and, and take the room and move in. They have a pretty well, like, this. they have a very tight ship there. Uh -huh. They know exactly what to do, how to get people in, how okay. to, so that was really relieving. Um, a couple things. So we were in survival mode for about six months. I, yeah. I've expressed that a few times. We were so happy to get into the home that we, this is a couple of takeaways that I really think people need to remember is we forgot about mom's human needs. Like mm. it took me way too long to get photos on the walls in her room and oh. this is like a regret of mine because she took a long time to settle in not completely a long time but there mm -hmm. were some scary nights and there's some confusion oh. about space not understanding where and it, and i really regret not prioritizing getting photos on the wall it's such a small thing we were just like let's make sure she has a blanket let's make sure she has a pillow let's make sure all our clothes are there like but that was a a mistake i think Anyone who's worked to get a parent into care knows that it can be days and weeks of nothing and then minutes of terror when you finally get a space and need to get going right away. Pictures didn't seem important at the time, but they mattered to Kathy. Uh, inside of me, I'm thinking, these kids don't care about me, and I've given oh. them my whole heart and soul, and they don't even know to say anything. <laughs> Cry Spoiled. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, bottom line. When it was said and done, did you call me on the phone or did you come over? For the pictures? Yeah. I came over and I put them up. Yeah. She came over and put them up. She had, like, if this was the room on the outside and the inside, this both the size, every space 
has one of us in it. Oh, that's and lovely. It's, and it's like uh, Carolee and Kelly and Stephen and, you know, and then there's this family and then there's this family and my first cousin's over here. The whole thing. And I started to oh, cry, you know, and I'm saying, Kelly, Carolee, Carolee, you just gave me a bouquet of people. Because oh, <laughs> I was also lonely, right? Yeah. It's, it's a lonely spells. The pictures did the trick, and Kathy didn't feel lonely or out of place anymore. She made everybody in the home come. Come. She still makes everybody who comes into the home go to her room to see her walls because they're covered in family photos. And I used, I used, I just ordered them. I sent all these photos on the internet, and they showed up, and they just stick on the wall. It's oh, a really wow. cool. Um, everybody, everybody loves them. Pick frame, I think pick it's frame? called. Oh, and that's a good tip. And they showed up in the mail, and I, they just stick to the wall. You can move them around. I know it sounds silly, but just taking the effort of having to go to a printing store and buying frames and figuring out how to hang a frame, like that's a lot of logistic when you're really busy. Exactly. When a photo just shows up with stickies on the back and it sticks yep. to a wall in a safe way, like that's such a subtle logistic, but very helpful. Very. And uh, it doesn't ruin the wall and a little bit expensive, more expensive than maybe going and getting frames and doing it the other way, but oh, no. worth it. Worth it. Oh, that is so good. <laughs> yeah. That's a yeah. good tip right there. Yeah. Mixed tiles. That's what it was called. Mixed tiles. Mixed tiles. We asked Kathy and Carolee if they had any advice, and Carolee had an interesting suggestion about her own self-care through this situation. Um, when we were, you were talking about how the system descended on you, you had to work your way in spite of the system. Yeah. What could you advise you know, people who are making decisions about the system to do differently? I would say, Mom, do you, can I? Yeah, you go right ahead. So I would say uh-huh. the, the smartest thing we did in the chaos was we hired private support right away. So when my mom was in her home and she had, I'm going to say, over 100 different people in and out of there trying to support her, like between the beginning and the end, like so many people, dozens and dozens. But we hired one private support worker who would go. Remember oh. Deb? Do you remember Deb? And maybe, I mean, maybe that was just another relationship mom had to manage. And maybe, I don't know her opinion about it, but for us as as the kids, we had somebody paying attention to what was going on. And so if there was a nurse that treated mom not in the best way, or if something got missed, or if mom was having a pain that no one was paying attention to, or any red flag we had somebody that we were paying that was ours that would tell us right away so we had quite a few nurses reassigned because they were not a match for mom during that time and we would not have been able to do that if we didn't have a private worker there paying attention and my second thing I would say and this is a bit of digression from your question but I keep running into friends and different people who say one of their parents has dementia and their other parent is is sort of just coping with it and I don't know a part of me wants to encourage people to look into private care or the system just I worry so when mom got diagnosed I'll I'll, I I actually went to therapy because I was worried about I was worried about resentment and Uh. my mom who should who should be for 20 more years is now you know in need of support and care so I went to therapy just to make sure that my feelings were like 
addressed and I knew how to deal with them. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's self care. Self care. Yeah. And but I would tell people who are sort of just surviving with their loved one, you know, they they're scared of the system, they're scared yeah. of asking for help or get help. Get help. Yeah. <laughs> if you can get help, get help. Yeah. But don't. Uh, and the first stop would be your family physician, I would imagine. And friends, whoever. And friends. I wanted my my time with my mom to be good time. Yes. And quality time where we get to do the fun stuff and get to talk about the fun stuff and enjoy each other's company and talk about the past. I don't want my time with my mom to be a long list of logistics that I mm-hmm. need to get through with her and then maybe we'll have a nice conversation, you know. Right. That was the privilege that we got to do was handing off all the noise and 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 just keep the quality stuff for us and i i hope other families do That's that too brilliant advice yeah. and she has one more piece of advice so one thing that we did that was really helpful is a mom had a lot of part of damage is you are paranoid and you can't not always grasp space and time and and new memories so uh, one thing that we did was we wrote notes to my mom reminding her of how much we love her and we did a poster on her wall and it basically comforted all of her fears. So she would often you know, forget that we were there the day before and think that she was left there. And so we were just like, your kids are here. We love you. You can be wherever we are. If this home you're in isn't feeling good, you can come stay at our homes. Like all the things that would relieve the fears that she has. And she kept reverting to these negative fears. And we we relieve those by putting opposite words on the wall so that she could see that and be like, oh, no, I'm, I'm thinking the wrong way. This is the truth. And I'm letting myself go to a place that's not exactly um, reality. But you know what, Carolee? I didn't really believe it at first either so that makes it hard when somebody's telling you I love you and you're looking back saying I don't believe that Uh you know which is basically what you're doing in some of these instances right yeah so when you learn to say I love you too and really you know or you say the whole read the whole I just go back in and read it because when I read it I need to hear it right yeah so, I am yeah. loved. I am loved. I am loved I by am one loved. It's obvious. It's quite clear you're loved. Thank you. Thank you again. Thanks for listening, and we'd like to thank Kathy and Kara Lee for sharing their story. Susan, what did you think about what we heard today? It was a really interesting afternoon to spend with Kathy and Carol Lee. What I noticed was Carol Lee looked visibly stressed. She was fitting us into an already busy day. Kathy was delightful. She was so cheerful and buoyant and, and so accepting of the situation. It was, uh, it was impressive. Yeah, and I think my big takeaway was that these, these really small details are so important. We really have to focus on the person who's going into care, just not the people who are trying to get the person into care. That's right. And a person that we'll be interviewing in an upcoming podcast uh, has been working in this field for decades and knows the kind of questions that families typically ask and can't find online or in brochures. So I think that'll be interesting to hear some tips from her. It sure will. That's it for this episode of St. Vincent's Veritas, the lowdown on long-term care. If you have any questions you'd like us to explore, please get in touch with us on Facebook at St. Vincent's Nursing Home or follow us at Humans of St. Vincent's, also at Facebook. 
We'd like to thank TRG Banks at the Free Music Archive for the use of his music, Swan Ride, in this episode. I just want to remind everybody that the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed here belong solely to us, uh, Margaret and me, as hosts, and are based on our personal research and experience, um, or they belong to the guests we interview. They do not belong to St. Vincent's Nursing Home, the Department of Health and Wellness, or any other organization, committee, group, or individual, but I do want to take a minute to thank St. Vincent's for allowing us as volunteers to have free reign with this project. <laughs>